morning. My name is Ashley Newburn, and me and my family have been called here uh, about a year ago now as a vacation Bible school, so we are blessed to be here. And today we're reading out of Psalms 31, 9 through 18. And the word says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow, my years with sighing, my strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away because of all my adversaries. I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. But those who see me in the street flee from me, and I have become, and I have been forgotten, like one who is dead, and I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many terrors on every side, and as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O oh Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Rescue me from my hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O oh Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. And that's the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and be seated. Man, what a time. You hear the word of God, what else is there to be said? You know, God has spoken and that's why we're here. Just put it right over there for me if you don't mind a little bit, thank you. Um, God has spoken and that's, that's why we're here, you know. Um, we've come together to hear God's word, that he would instruct us, that he would lead us, that he would teach us of these things that we might grow in wisdom, that we might walk after him. It's by the word of God that our lives are changed. It's hearing his word and hearing the truth of it that corrects us in the ways that we walk. It takes us from a life of self-indulgence, from a life of, of self-preservation where all we care about is ourselves, and it moves us into a life that walks after righteousness, after godliness, a life that begins to understand our creator, that which we've been created for. That in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of trials, in the midst of sufferings, we find ourselves resting in an almighty God who from everlasting to everlasting has never ran out of power, has never grown weary, has never been short in fulfilling his promises. He is a faithful God and he's the one that we serve and why we gather this morning. If you came this morning and you were just looking to come in and, you know, just to hear something good and, you know, have a few good moments and go home and feel good about yourself, then I, we, you may be disappointed. I don't know, you know. We came to open God's word that we might learn, that God might confront 
and that he might teach us and he might grow us and we might take joy together in rejoicing in the truth of God's word, speaking wonders and glories of who he is, for he is almighty God and we are his people. Amen, amen. Uh, just moved by the song and thank you, Ashley, for the reading of the word, for surely um, when you read those words, it impacts many of us, for many of us have gone through times of difficulties like David. Uh, we started a series, a three-week series last week in the Psalm 30, and we call it, In You, O Lord, I Trust. In You alone. You are my God, and You I Trust. So we are encouraging one another with the Word of God because we believe that by the Word of God, lives are changed, not for just this, this time, but for all eternity. And in it, we look to find out the words of life. So let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. God, I ask this morning that as we open up your word, as we look at it, as we hear these words, and Father, we see the circumstances of David and the difficulties in which he found himself. That Father, we might glean from what he had learned, the proclamations he had proclaimed. Father, we understand we can begin to feel some of the struggles he has gone through because, Father, we too face those struggles. And, Father, it's so easy for us in the midst of struggles to grow in, in discouragement. It's easy to grow, Father, in, in, in anger and, and, and despair. And, Father, all of those things that, that lead us down a path that changes our perspective of who you are and the truth of your word. Let us not elevate ourselves this morning, but Father, let us be humble that we might hear from you, that you would speak to our hearts, that we might be your people walking in the light of the truth of your word. Oh God, we just pray that. We pray God as well. I, I pray that you go past all of the, my own shortcomings, my own iniquities. And Father, that you would speak to us I, every, every time to, to step up to, to preach your word. Father, this is it's a sacred moment. It's a moment when we come to you and we cry out, we ask God that you would speak to us, your people. That your spirit would move among us, Father. You would touch those things in our lives that we need to grow in and that, Father, you would encourage us and strengthen the, the weak knee and the, the weak arms that we might establish ourselves in the faith of the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And that, Father, we do not walk, Father, as people of, of shame, but we walk as people, Father, dressed in the righteousness of Christ. So, Father, this morning, go past all of my inabilities and speak to us, your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, as we walk in, our passage this morning is going to be verses 9 through 18, which were just read to us this morning. So we're going to be looking at this first section. In this first section, we kind of see the situation in which, which King David is in. It's a situation where he's, he's saying, I need grace. Why? Because I'm under such tremendous pressure. I need grace. And if any of us have been in those situations, it's in those moments, in those darkest times when, 
when maybe something's been exposed in our lives, where in those times when we realize that things have started to happen and just one thing after another and the weight of it and the pressure of it begins to, to press in and we, we don't know if we go left or we don't know if we go right and all we know is, oh God, we need your grace. And that's where David is when he says in verse 9, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. I'm feeling this. The weight is heavy. It's beyond me. If we're going to go, if we're going to be a people that are going to follow Jesus in the midst of pursuing God, it includes times of struggle and of pressure and of trials. Hear what I'm saying, dear people. A growing faith in Jesus does not eliminate struggles and difficulty. Great faith does not eliminate great trials and struggles. It doesn't mean because I have a great faith in God means I never have things that go wrong or that the pressures of this world don't weigh on us. We need to understand that. So many times I watch as people, they start facing great pressure and trials and they begin to ask the question, well, where's God? And they walk away from their faith thinking that those things aren't supposed to be a part of faith. But if we're going to have a pursuing desire to know God and to have a faith in God and to want God to use us and do great things through us, it's going to come with great struggles and great trials. It's often in those great trials and those struggles that when we go through them, that great faith is revealed. It's when you're facing those things, it's in the, those moments that faith begins to, to become alive and to begin to sing. You know, and back in my younger days, I used to spend a lot of time in the gym. You might not look like that now, but there was a day, and I used to go in there, and man, I grab those weights, and you start, start working. You know what you're doing? You're just stretching those muscles, right? You're stretching them out, and they start breaking, and actually the muscle tears, and then as it repairs itself, it gets stronger. And as you do that more and more, those muscles get stronger and stronger. And it's like that in our faith as well. That as we go through those times of difficulty, it, we begin to grow stronger and stronger in our faith in God. We begin to see the things that he's doing and what he's working in our lives. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, talking about semen, he said, storms and tempests, are the things that make men tough and hardy mariners. They see the works of the Lord and his great wonders in the deep. So, with Christians, great faith must have great trials. It's in those times when we go through the most difficult times when our faith has the opportunity to express, to demonstrate, to show the focus that we have in seeking after him. If we want to have a great faith, if we want to be used to the Lord, if we want to see him do mighty things in our lives, we cannot, I cannot avoid the reality that great faith comes with great trial. Often through those times of going through struggle is when I find that my faith grows in, in tremendous ways. And to be honest with you, <clears throat> The culture that, we're, that surrounds us now, a culture of compromise, will require great faith, often under the pressure 
of compromise. We are being pushed in about our faith. We're being pushed in about the things that we believe and how do we respond? Do we stand in, a, in faith and in truth? Notice David's pain in this. In verse nine, he says, my eyes are wasted from grief and my body and my soul also. Have you ever been there? Just where your eyes are just, you're just wasted from the grief and the sorrow and your body is just worn and tired from the from this grief that you're going through. Verse 10, he says, my life spent with sorrow, my strength fails because of my iniquity. David's pain was, was physical. His strength failed in verse 10. Notice also his pain was emotional, the grief and the sorrow in verse 10. Also his pain was social. People fleed from him. They didn't want to be around him. They'd see him coming and they went the other way. They, they ostracized him. They, they rejected him. But the man that God said, was a man after his own heart. And all of his failures and his difficulties, yet he pursued God and people were fleeing from him. In fact, his pain was even mortal. In verse 13, it says, people are plotting to kill me. The path of, the path of trial, the path of trust, go the same direction. If we're gonna go, if we're gonna grow in our trust in God and we're gonna see our faith strengthen, it's gonna be at times when we will be grieving and sorrowful and difficult, in difficulty. It's in those times when our faith is declared, it's in those times that we proclaim the God that we believe in, where we whimper away Pursuing ourselves, pursuing other things, thinking somehow they give relief, but the one who gives us the, the victory in the midst of our trials and difficulty is God himself. And here's the reality to those of you that want to sincerely follow after Jesus. There will be times when you will have tremendous amounts of pressure from difficulties and trials. Our faith will be stretched, it will be pulled as we walk down this path of following Jesus. Great faith is not pain-free faith. Great faith is not a life of everything going the right way and, and everything being painless. We should not be surprised by it. Faith addresses the core of what we believe. So it is in the face of trial under great pressures of difficulty that we begin to learn to trust God and to have faith in him that he is our God. I look back at my life and every single time when I look through a, a time of, of tremendous spiritual growth, it was always through times of difficulty and struggle and pressure where God was working in me and, and, and chiseling away at me and growing my faith, growing who I am in Christ. I want you also to see that here in verse 10, David's pain is spiritual too. 
He says, my strength fails because of my iniquity. Here's something that's important to understand about trials and difficulties. That if in the midst of a difficulty, in the midst of a trial, if God begins to expose iniquity, exposes sin in your life, that causes you to address, to to begin to deal with it, to correct it, that you might be closer to God, that you might walk in faith after him, that is the grace of God in the midst of the trial. That in the trial, in the difficulty, if if it brings out those scenes in your life that you need to peel off, that you might walk after him, that is the grace of God contained within those struggles, within those difficulties. When God reveals those things in our lives, it is by his grace and his mercy. David saw this when he talked about his iniquity. You know, the reality is it would have been very easy for David to say, well, they're the ones plotting after my life. They're the ones fleeing from me. They're the ones talking about me. Why doesn't God just change them? Why doesn't God turn those things around? Why doesn't he just change those? Then my life would be better. And the reality, that isn't true. The reality is that God is at work in our lives to make us more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And when we're focused on others and how they should change, we miss out on the reality of what God is trying to do in making us more like his son, Jesus Christ. That we might grow into faith. When you're going through those trials and you're going through those difficulties, when when there's problems within the body, when there's things that are going on within our lives, It really isn't about God changing the circumstances and all the people around us. It's about God changing me. And that by faith I walk through those. By faith I stand in the righteousness of Christ and I stand in in the presence of my God and I cry to him, show mercy, O God. And he is my God. Many times, unfortunately, I think even in the church, we just want to genie in the bottle, you know, we just rub it and get our wishes, make all of our pain go away. We get to go on in our lives like we want. And in the process, if that were to happen, we would miss out on the grace of God at work in our lives and the power of his, of his work and the power of his son in the work of our lives. It's not changing everybody else and then everything okay. It's about God changing me and growing me more like his son. I mean, even notice the, de- the progression of David's despair here. Being in verse 11, he says, I have become a reproach, often a dread. People flee from me. Again, verse 12, forgotten as one who is dead, became like a broken vessel. Verse 13, terror on every side, they plot my life. If you're going to follow after Jesus, there's going to be times where that may feel that way. Jesus was treated that way. Why would we expect any different? Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. He continued in verse 19, he says, if you were were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. See, see, inclusive and involvement in the world and and being in agreement with the world and being liked by the world, 
That isn't the answer. The answer is Jesus. And when we walk after Jesus, there are going to be times where those will flee from us and they will reject us and they will talk about us. They will tell me, as I've been told many times, Greg, you're too smart to believe, the Christ- believe in Christianity. And every time I say, man, I look at the person of Jesus Christ. Don't look at me. Don't look at the church. We all fail, don't we? But look at Jesus. Look at the person of Jesus. Look at who he is, who he said he would be, and what he has accomplished. To him be the glory. See, as we go through this great, great times, as, as David is going through this great pressure, and he says, I need grace. In verse, in verse 13 and following, <clears throat> he makes a stand. We, miss, we need to stand. He makes a stand. He says, I trust in the Lord. Look at it. In verse 13, he's, everybody's plotting against him. He's overwhelmed. There's vicious slander. We know what it's like to have people viciously slander us, don't we? It's painful, it hurts, it's devastating. David describes it as terror on every side, people scheming, people plotting. I mean, just place yourself in his reality. What, what would you be tempted with? Fear, insecurity, paranoia? I mean, the wolves are circling and they're hungry for blood and there seems to be no escape. And David says in verse 14, here's the key. But I trust in you, O Lord. You, I say, you are my God. Dear people of God, those are something, those are the most important things that we need to understand in our, in our walks with him. Who do we serve? What is our shield of faith? We, we, we talk about it. David here, he pulled up his shield of faith in the midst of despair, in the midst of trial, under great persecution, under great pressure, And he says, you are my God, and you I will trust. And right now, some of you in this room this morning, you're facing forms of despair. It's what our enemy does. Tremendous attacks that are coming on you. And you feel discouragement. You feel despair, anger, maybe with God, maybe with others. You feel like giving up and on and on. These, these things, they come at us and they, and they strike us in our minds and they, and they cause us to begin to doubt and mistrust. Take us down a path of pain without God, not trusting him. And David pulls up that shield and he puts up that shield and it changes his total perspective of all of the pressure and the difficulties of what he's going through. Lord, and you and you alone I trust. You are my God. I trust in you. And then he says this there in verse 14. He says, I, but I trust you, O Lord. I say you are my God. Verse 15, my times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my, prosecu- my persecutors. He's saying, I trust in you. My times are in your hands. It's a very strong statement of the sovereignty of God in the life of David. He's saying, I trust my hands, my life in your hands, oh God. I trust in your sovereignty. I trust in your power. I trust in who you are. 
In the midst of this difficulty, my life are in your hands, O Lord, whether it be in adversity or in prosperity, my times are yours. And dear people of God, until we come to that place where we, we understand that our God, our hands, our lives, and, our, and all we are are in his hands, we, we get tossed to and fro with every wind of false doctrine. We get tossed to and fro with every idea, every philosophy, never being established, never standing firm on the truth of who God is until we understand you are my God and you alone I trust. I don't trust in my pastor. I don't trust in my elders. I don't trust in all the people at church. I trust in you, oh God. And we need to be a people, a people of faith who stand firm, trusting in him and him alone. Amen? Yeah. I'll let you down. Hang around me. I'll let you down. But until we come to that place, and there's been so many of those moments in my life when I think through this, when I looked at this and just resonated with me this week, how many times in my life, I can remember one time, and I've shared these scenes before, so if, they've, if you've heard them, just rejoice in them again, I guess. <laughs> Where I was in my car and the, I had the Christian radio station on and there was this song and then this line came in and my Redeemer is coming. My Deliverer is coming. I think no, it's not my Redeemer. My Deliverer is coming. And I was going through a horrible time. Everything was falling apart and coming apart at every seam. I didn't think every which way and I just, I never forget. I was angry and all of a sudden I just shut off the radio and I go, my Deliverer isn't coming. And the light changed and I turned left, started going down Cooper Street. And I started going, Lord, I don't believe that. You are my deliverer. And right now I don't feel like it. Everything doesn't seem that way, but you are my God. I remember another time when I left and we moved here and I believe God brought me here for this reason in this area. I went into the restaurant business. I was like, oh man. You know, I knew that's where God wanted me. I was a couple months into it, still learning the restaurant business, horrible day, everything going wrong. And I had to run into the office and I shut the door and I was just screaming at God, why you had me here? Why? I know that I needed to be here. But why? And I was just frustrated. I could, in the darkness of that, of that little office, I could not see the hand and the work of God and then I just stopped and I go, I know you're, I know God, you're in control. I know you're here. I know you are. I just don't feel it. God strengthened me. And now I look back and I realize there's so much God taught me. I talk about learning the Bible study methods and learning theology at my school. But God taught me about living in it in that restaurant. There's so many times when God brings us in these places and, and we come to this crux in this moment and we ask ourselves, do we believe that Jesus is God? Do we believe that God is who he said he is? Do I trust in God alone? And I come to that place and I make my stand and I say, yes, you are my God and you I will trust. And it changes the perspective on the things that we face. David's situation was, was a lot of pressure. His stand was that you are my God. And then his prayer is I pray for God's favor. Look at it at verse 16. Make your face shine on your servant. 
Save me in your steadfast love. Oh, Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Lord, make your face shine on me, on your servant. In Numbers chapter 6, many of you will know this phrase. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to what? Shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And David prays that God's face would shine on him. Just think of the impact of God's favor shining into our lives. It's kind of like, like when it's been cloudy out and the sun breaks through. My wife, Lydia, she likes to go and open all the windows in the morning and let the sun shine in. And there's something refreshing about that, encouraging. It, it, it brings a sense of optimism. And it's infinite, infinitely greater like that with what God's favor does when he shines his glory in on his children. There's no situation too far from the grace of God. There's no situation too far for God to shine his face in in our circumstances. As I was doing this this week and I thought of Stephen, remember Stephen, Acts chapter seven? Powerful. He's just preaching truth. That's all he's doing. He's just preaching truth. And they were becoming angry and enraged even says their teeth were grinding. Can you imagine? They were just so much, just gritting their teeth. Can't take this anymore. Stephen's gazing off into heaven, and he sees the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And so Stephen cries out, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And we would rejoice, and, and there's closing their ears and, and they're rushing in on him. They're crying out with a loud voice and they grab Stephen and they drag him out to the, to the edge of the city. And they begin to pick up stones and begin to throw them at him, to stone him to death, begin to throw at him. And Stephen prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. It's in your hands I commit my spirit. Remember that? Falling on his knees. Lord, do not hold this against them. Isn't it amazing how when our focus is on God, our perspective changes on earth? And he breathed his last. What was happening there? The favor of God shining in in that moment in the midst of, of the cloud and the darkness of people throwing stones and of death coming in and God shines in his face and the glory of God in that moment. Often God has shown himself in a special way in the times that are the most difficult. We pray, God, shine your favor on us. In a world of darkness, in you we trust, shine as only you can, as only God can do. What does the favor of God look like? Ultimately, I believe, if you are saved in Jesus Christ, we've already received the greatest level of favor from God that we could ever receive. It's called the gospel. In Titus 2.11, it says there that the grace of God has appeared to all men, bringing salvation. It's this picture of, 
of, of the sun coming up on the horizon. And as the rays of the sun shine out across the darkness of the horizon and begins to bring light, it's the same picture, the grace of God here in the personification of Jesus Christ coming and bringing salvation and shining into the darkness that God intervened in the, in the course of humanity, proclaiming truth in the work of his son, Jesus Christ, calling people to himself. That is why Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks in darkness, you believe in me and you will have the light of life, of eternal life, the light of life. Jesus Christ in his life, his death, and his resurrection is the shining light of the gospel and the favor of God. Second Corinthians chapter four, it speaks of the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ in the same context where it talks about our adversary who works to blind those in unbelief that they might not see the light, that they might not see the glory of God. But in verse six, it says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. It's referring to creation there. It's the picture of where God, as he created, he called light out of darkness. For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You want to know the favor of God? It's in the person of Christ. The gospel is the greatest element of favor God could ever give. We want to just have these temporary moments where God kind of fixes this, this little problem we have. And we think that is the favor of God. But the favor of God is in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And what God has done through Christ, through salvation. That we would stand here today in the righteousness of Christ. And proclaim to him the glory that is all his. In Revelations chapter 22... In verse 4 there it says, talking about, uh, talking about we will see his face. In Revelations 22, 5, it says, and the night will be no more. Listen to this. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. God will be our light. He is our light and will continue throughout eternity. God, what he has done in his son, Jesus Christ, in the full work of Christ, in the atonement that Christ provided, that we stand in the righteousness of God. Can you see it? Can you see the teaching? May the Lord bless you and keep you and his face to shine upon you. He has done that in his son, Jesus Christ. If you are here today and you've been saved, you received Christ into your life, not by works, not by church attendance or how much you gave or everything you did, but by simply believing and trusting in Christ, then you have the greatest favor and privilege ever known that you become the child of the king in the family of God. This blows me away. I still remember as a young boy sitting in that judge's office as my dad gave me his name and adopted me and called me his own and brought me into his family. Still remember that day. And the same picture to me is that God, by the work of his son, Jesus Christ, has taken me and placed me into his family. 
and he calls me his son. He calls me his child, his own. That's all I have. Greatest thing. In verse 17 there, David says, let me not be put to shame. I want to say to those that are struggling this morning, to those who may be feeling shame, to those who are going through the struggles of this world, if you are in Christ, all that shame has been nailed to the cross. All of it. How much? How much? All of it. All of it. Why? Because in the favor of God in his son through the gospel, he sets us free and he redeems us in righteousness and he calls us his own. It will carry us throughout all eternity. The struggles you are facing, listen to this. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, even following, but that verse just, the struggles you are facing right now are nothing compared to the glory that will be yours in Christ Jesus when we are revealed in Christ. Trust, faith under pressure. You can trust him. You are my God and you and you alone, God, I will trust. Now, I don't know what brought you here this morning. I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to know that our God is able I know that it may be like that moment when I was in that, that office and everything seemed like it was so dark and so closed in, you might be there. And you might not be able to see, I couldn't see outside that office that day. You might not be able to see, but I'm gonna tell you, there is trust, there is faith in the God who can take that person and that he could take me and work in my life to make me more and more like his son. He can do that in your life as well. He can. If you're here this morning and you haven't received Christ into your life, then I would, I, would, I would call you. I would tell you, come. Today is a day of salvation. That what God has provided in the favor of his son and the glory of his son and the glory and light of the gospel in his son, Jesus Christ, he has for you. It's available. All you do is receive by faith. It's here. And I call you call you to come. That in him, him alone, he is our God. The minute the folks are going to come up and they're going to sing, we'll have some folks up front here that will pray with you. If you just need someone to pray with you, I'd encourage you to come. Even after the song, they'll still be here if you want to come up afterwards. If you want to know of the gospel, you want to know this, this truth, maybe you've been struggling with some things and you're like, hey, I'm not sure about trusting him. Hey, I'm I'm usually around in the back or grab one of these folks on the front. Ask them, ask them how they came to Christ. Let them share the good news of salvation with you. That's why we're here this morning, that we would hear God's word, that he would strengthen us as a body of believers, that we would walk after him and that those who do not know Christ would come to faith. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, I just pray that your spirit would move as only you can. Lord, I know that in the text today, there was words there that many of us could resonate with, that there have been times in our lives of, that have been overwhelming, Father, a place at times when we don't know if we should go left or right. We just, we just don't know. We feel underwhelmed and we, overwhelmed, and we're at a place where, Father, we just 
don't know what the step is and we begin to take steps that we think give instant gratification and yet we find that they only lead to more bondage and more difficulties. Father, teach us faith. It is in you that we trust. And regardless of our situation, we make our stand on who we believe in and we cry out for your favor, God, that the glory of your goodness, of your light, of truth, would shine on us. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.